Amen. Well, today we are going to jump right into it uh, with this morning's message. Last week we started a new series. Uh, I say last week. Uh, I typed up uh, these notes last week because I thought we were having church uh, last Sunday, but uh, weather had other plans. Two weeks ago we started our uh, new series entitled Five Down, Five to Go, as we have officially been working together in ministry for over five years together. I, be- I began my full full-time ministry here at the beginning of the year in 2019. And so we are now in our sixth year working together. And so throughout this series, we are reviewing our past five years together, and we are looking ahead to what our next five years could look like together as a church family. And I've got to clarify, had a, a couple questions uh, from two weeks ago. I'm not suggesting that I'm leaving at the end of five uh, years. I have no idea uh, how much longer uh, Jamie, the kiddos, and myself uh, will be here. We will be here as long as the Lord keeps directing us here at North Hills. That could be five more years. It could be 10 more years. It could be one more year. It could be 20 years. It could be 50 more years. You guys be stuck with us. Uh, I have no idea. Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, yeah, hey, you, you never know. You never know. Uh, and so we are, yeah, we're just looking at the past five years we spent together in ministry in this partnership of ministry and looking ahead at what these next five years may look like. We'll be setting some goals and seeing how you guys can participate in making these next five years the best five years possible. And so two weeks ago, we started a review of what we have talked about for the past five years. And today we're going to be finishing up that review. And at the two weeks ago, at the end of the message, as we reviewed what we talked about for our first three years together in ministry, we uh, played a quick trivia game at the end, and we're going to be doing the same thing again for this morning's message. And so this message is a bit unorthodox as we're, we're really just reviewing what we have talked about for the previous two years, and then at the end, we will be playing uh, that game of trivia again on your phone. So you better listen up. And so two weeks ago, we reviewed uh, seven series that we talked about, all about God, all about Jesus, giving God your best, the fruit of the spirit, the power of habits, being a member of God's church, and combating your idols. Today, we're going to review six series that we discussed in the previous two years. So at the beginning of 2022, how many of you guys remember what you're doing at the beginning of 2022? Great, neither do I. Uh, At the beginning of 2022, we started a series called How to Read the Bible. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever sat down and read the Bible for 5, 10, or 15 minutes, and at the end of it, you ask yourself, What in the world did I just read? If you're brave, raise your hand if you have been there before. I know I have been there before where I sit down, spending that 5, 10, 15 minutes reading the Bible, and I'm thinking, what did I just read? Uh, That's really a common phenomenon uh, for people. And our goal throughout this series that we did two years ago was for you all to be able to sit down 5, 10, or 15 minutes and read the Bible and have a better idea of what you are reading. Uh, There there are tons of uh, people who search how to read your Bible on Google every single day, every single week, every single month. And so we regard the Bible as one book, but in reality, it is a collection of 66 different books. 
And the confusing thing when we see how these 66 books are put together, they are not organized chronologically. A lot of us, when we are reading through a book, a lot of the material is organized chronologically. That is not the case uh, with the Bible. These books are not organized chronologically. A lot of it does end up following uh, chronologically, but uh, especially when you get to the prophets and uh, some of the letters, the New Testament, it, it does not follow chronologically and so that can be uh, confusing. Uh, and so if you are struggling with the chronological order of this, all you can go back in our series. We don't have time to go through the whole chronological order of things, but you can go back onto our YouTube page or our website, northhillschurch.org, and you can look for uh, the previous messages there. But there are 39 books found in the Old Testament and 27 books of the New Testament. The, the 39 books of the Old Testament, they were all written before Christ was born. And then the New Testament books, the 27 books of the New Testament, they were all written after Christ had died. And so we mentioned that these books aren't organized chronologically. Well, how are they organized? They are organized into different categories. When we look at the Old Testament, they are organized as follows. There are five books of the law to start off in the Old Testament, and then 12 books of history, five books of poetry, five books of the major prophets, and 12 books of the minor prophets. I remember when I was at the Bible college, uh, Professor Bob, he taught us this little cadence uh, to help remember this, 512, 5512. Five law, 12 history, five poetry, five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. Five, 12, five, five, 12. And, th and that's how the Old Testament is uh, structured. When we look at the New Testament, we don't have any uh, fancy cadence uh, for you guys there. And when we flip to the New Testament, though, we see there, to start off, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are essentially biographies all about the life and ministry of Christ Jesus. And then after this, we have the book of Acts, and then we have the 13 Pauline epistles. Epistles is really just a, a fancy uh, name for letter, and so 13 letters that Paul wrote. And then we have eight general epistles or letters, uh, letters that other people wrote, and then we have the book of Revelation as well. Now, when we're reading through the scriptures, there are three main different literary styles in the Bible. When you are, when you open up to a, a random uh, page in your Bible, you're either going to be reading narrative, poetry, or discourse. So those are three main different literary styles in the Bible. Narrative is simply telling a story. Uh, that is something that uh, humans have thrived on for thousands of years, is we love the telling of stories, and we love receiving stories as well. A large chunk of the scriptures is simply telling a story. And with any story or narrative, there is a plot. Now, with the plot line of the Bible, there, there's one overarching plot line of the Bible, and it goes something like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and life was perfect. He created Adam and Eve, and, and they had perfect fellowship with God. Well, then tension starts to rise, and we see the fall of mankind. We see sin enter the picture, and the curse uh, of sin entered into this world. We see the Israelites, God's chosen people. They stray away from God throughout the uh, Old Testament. And then we see the birth and the earthly ministry of Jesus, tensions continuing to rise, and this mission that Jesus has uh, going up against uh, the, the works of the devil and the works of sin. And then at the climax of this story in the Bible, we see the return of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. 
And the cool thing about this is this hasn't happened yet. We are in the midst of this major plot line that's found throughout the Bible. We are in the middle of this rising action. The action continues to rise and rise and rise until finally someday, we don't know when that day is going to be. Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, didn't even know when that day or hour would be. But someday, Jesus is going to come back to this earth. And as far as I see it, that, that is the climax and the plot line of the scriptures. For Jesus is coming back to earth, and he's going to defeat every enemy, including the last enemy of death itself. And that's when we see the resolution uh, of the Bible and this plot line, is that Jesus establishes God's kingdom here on earth, where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And so that's the major plot line of the Bible. And each of these 66 uh, different books, they fit somewhere. Their, their writings, uh, what uh, entails in each of these books, they, they fit somewhere along this major plot line of the Bible. And then we also have poetry. Um, who, who's a big fan of poetry? I know we have a few big fans of poetry. I, I always think of Anita when it comes to poetry. She's always got a riddle or, riddle or some sort of poem. And the Bible is filled with poetry. We have the five books of poetry, but even outside of these five books, we, we find poetry scattered throughout the scriptures. And then finally, we have discourse. Discourse when one party communicates. And throughout the scriptures, we see this mostly found in speeches and letters. And so when reading through the Bible, you have to approach these three different literary, literary styles very differently. Some of these you, you can read through a bit quicker. Generally, you can read narrative a bit quicker. And uh, as you're just able to consume the information, it's a little more straightforward. Sometimes with poetry or discourse, you really got to take your time and slow down and dissect what, it, what is trying to be communicated. And so we, we're setting the goal as a church. I want to be a church full of Bible nerds. Uh, there are few things better in this world than a Bible nerd. And I would love for this church to be filled with Bible nerds as we all learn how to read the Bible. And so later in 2022, after, after the series of How to Read the Bible, we went through the book of Ephesians and throughout the series, Living Like a Saint. This is the first time where we together as a church, we went through an entire book of the Bible verse by verse. And so when we read the letter of Ephesians, we see that this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. Paul opens the letter to the church in this manner. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. And so Paul recognized the members of this church as saints. And you and I, we are saints as well. Sometimes uh, in Western civilization, 21st century, we reserve this title saint for uh, like the most holy of holies, the, the, the most, uh, the, these special saints that we have in the church. But no, you and I, we are saints. We are called to be different from the world. The saint uh, derives from, from that term sanctification. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart from the world. And so Paul wrote to a group of saints simply uh, referring to the church. And, and you and I today in the 21st century, we are saints, for we have been set apart from the world. And so throughout this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Paul highlights how to live like a saint throughout this letter, how to live set apart. And so essentially, your actions have to be different than the rest of the world. Your thoughts have to be different. Your emotions have to be different. Your habits have to be different. Your character has to be different. Who you are has to be different from the world. 
And if you are, if you are found to be a saint of God, then you will reap the fruit of that. You, you, you will be a partaker in God's coming kingdom. And it's clearly uh, illustrated that if you are not a saint, if you uh, find yourselves in, in the patterns of sin with the rest of mankind, uh, Paul doesn't beat around the bush at all. Paul plainly tells us that you will not inherit God's coming kingdom. And so as Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, as he encourages this church to live differently from the world as saints, Paul also stresses that we have to live in unity within the church. It's imperative that we, the saints, the church, we maintain cohesion and work together for God's glory. And so that, that's uh, Ephesians, living different from the world and, and yet living united within this church. And then on Labor Day weekend in 2022, we started this series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This series was inspired by Pastor John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We live in a society where the vast, vast majority of people live in a constant state of hurry, as the vast majority of people are simply too busy. John Mark, uh, in his book, he calls it hurry sickness. We live in a society where being over busy and in this constant state of hurry, it's viewed as an accomplishment, something to achieve, something to brag about. But I'm here to tell you guys, and I told you guys two years ago, Labor Day, uh, that if you are constantly over busy and in this constant state of hurry, that is a huge, huge, huge issue in your spiritual walk. Being over busy and in a constant state of hurry is not very conducive to love. It's not conducive to joy or to peace or to maintaining effective spiritual disciplines or developing relationships and so on. All important to your spiritual walk, your relationship with God the Father. And so John Mark mentioned that the greatest problem uh, that churches face in the 21st century is time. People are too busy for God. They're too busy to live a spiritually rich life. I find this to be, to be uh, true in our church as well. Uh, to be open and honest and vulnerable with you guys, it's probably been one of my biggest frustrations as a pastor in the past five years. It can be hard to accomplish things as a church. Why? Not because we're evil or bad, but, but simply because People are too busy. They have other commitments and other obligations to tend to. And this isn't just North Hills. I think this description, as John Mark talks about, this description fits the church in America in general. In his eyes, it's the biggest problem that we will face as a church in this 21st century is time as people are too busy. And so John Mark describes the church in this manner. And I really think there's a lot of value in this. He says the church in America is more busy than bad. The church in America is more distracted than non-spiritual. And the church in America is more interested in the movie theater, sports stadium, mall, or you name it, that we are in church. The philosopher Dallas Willard uh, said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. 
And so we see that being in a constant state of hurry, being over busy is a big issue in our spiritual walk. Well, then the question comes, how do we ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our life? And the answer is that we need to adapt the lifestyle of Jesus. John Mark provides four different practices of Jesus that we can apply to our lives to help us ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Those four practices are silence and solitude. We all need to find time of silence and solitude in our life. We need to make it a regular practice. Second practice is Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. I think we should be legalistic about it like the Pharisees, but use it as a blessing from God because that is what it is. The the Sabbath rest is a blessing from God. And so I encourage you to be intentional about a Sabbath rest. Simplicity. There's so much that our society offers us, and frankly, it's too much. We need to simplify our lives and focus on the important things. Let the main thing be the main thing in your life. And it's hard to do when our society offers us so many things. And then finally, slow. We need to slow down and see God at work in our life and see how richly blessed you and I are. And if you can mimic these four practices of Jesus throughout his ministry, then you are well on your way to ruthlessly eliminating hurry in your life. So that's what we talked about in 2022. And then 2023 rolled around and we endeavored to go through the entire book of Romans verse by verse. And it was a beast to handle. We spent... 25 weeks on the book of Romans. So just shy of half of the year, we spent through looking through the book of Romans verse by verse. And some of you guys are thinking, oh my goodness, we are going so slow throughout this book. But let me tell you, we went through a very fast pace throughout the book of Romans. It's a very fast pace to go through the entire book verse by verse. But this book or this letter was written by Paul to the church at Rome. And Paul, he wanted to go visit Rome in person to preach the gospel message to them. But in the meantime, Paul would write a letter to the church presenting the gospel message. And that's what this letter is, this letter of Romans, Paul's presentation of this gospel message that he wanted to preach to the church at Rome. And so as we went through the book of Romans, we broke it down into three parts to to help simplify things. In part one, we recognize uh, Paul uh, illuminates to us that we all have sin. Every one of us has sin in our life. And the consequence of that sin is death. And so because of that, we need saved. We need saved from the issue of sin and we need saved from the consequences of sin. And thank goodness, that's where part two in this letter comes into play. Part two is all about God's plan of salvation for us. God's plan of salvation we see throughout this letter of Romans, it centers around Christ Jesus. All we need to do is put our faith in God, in Christ Jesus, then we will be saved. If you have a living faith in God, in Christ Jesus, you will be saved. Zero questions asked. And finally, in part three, Paul looks at what that faith looks like. What does it look like to have a faith in God and Christ Jesus? And Paul outlines much of the details in chapters 12 through 16. And so it pains me very, very deep to stop there in our summary of Romans of what we talked about for 25 weeks 
But if I go further in depth, our review on the book of Romans will take uh, quite a while to say the least. And so it pains me, but if you want a good review of Romans, read, read Romans for yourself. It is a masterpiece uh, of this letter that Paul writes to the church at Rome presenting the gospel message. Before this morning, I'll be done talking about the book of Romans. And then after uh, we went through the book of Romans, uh, we went through the series, How to Interact with the LGBTQ Plus Community. This is a series that could be viewed as highly controversial in our society. This was a difficult conversation for some of us, myself included, as I chose throughout the series to be open and vulnerable with you all as I shared some of my thoughts and emotions throughout the years with my brother, uh, who is openly gay. And so first off, through this, throughout the series, we have to establish that what this community engages in is sinful. Leviticus 18.22, Leviticus 20.13, Romans 1, 26 through 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, and 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, each independently talk about the sin of homosexuality. And each of these five different instances don't really beat around the bush much at all. It pr pretty plainly states that homosexuality, the act of homosexuality is a sin. And these are books that are found in both the Old and the New Testament. And so from my perspective, being a, a student of the scriptures, scholar of the, of the scriptures, I think one must seriously pervert the scriptures to indicate that the act of homosexuality is not a sin. And so knowing that this act of homosexuality is a sin, question then becomes, how do we interact with members of this community that engage in sinful activity? And the answer is simple. The answer is love. We must love this community. Love. Now that love is going to look drastically different depending on whether someone is a part of the church or not, whether they express a faith in God or not. In 1 Corinthians uh, 5, Paul uh, writing this letter to the church at Corinth, he's dealing with uh, an act of sexual immorality and he's instructing the church in how to manage with this sexually immoral act. And in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul essentially says, that we have no business, that, that is zero business judging those outside of the church. And most of the members uh, within this community, within the LGBTQ plus community, they are not a part of the church. I think we as members of the church, as saints, as children of God, I do not think it is our responsibility or our place to judge them, to judge those outside of the church. God is sending someone to judge the world. That, that's Christ Jesus, his son. But, but that's not our responsibility to judge the world. I think we are to mirror the response of Jesus in his earthly ministry. Uh, when we look throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, when he was uh, centered uh, around sinners, we see that Jesus was described as a friend of sinners. I think we need to open ourselves up to uh, members of this community and be a friend to them and love on them. I think that's the best shot that they have to accepting this gospel message that we have is to be a friend of sinners. On the other hand, 
I think we also have a responsibility to uphold the members of our church, those who share a faith in God and Christ Jesus. And so for members uh, of this community who claim to be a disciple of Christ Jesus, I think we have that burden. We have that responsibility on our shoulders to seek to bring that member to repentance. And that involves making a judgment, judging that what they are doing is sinful and that what they, they need to stop what they are doing. And this needs to be done in a gentle and respectful manner. If you're not careful, you will do a lot more damage than good. This needs to be done with the utmost care, with the utmost sincerity, um, and, and just uh, appreciation of who that person is. But I think if they are a part of the church, if they claim to have that living faith of God and Christ Jesus in their lives, I think that responsibility falls on us to hold them to a higher standard and to help them seek repentance in their life. It's a long story short. We are to love the LGBTQ plus community, and that love is going to look different depending on whether they are a part of the church or not. And then the last series that we're going to cover this morning, the last series that we did uh, before Christmas was communion with God. We established that uh, prayer is communion with God, the establishment of an intimate relationship through the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And so prayer is not to be treated as a means like a genie in a bottle. The purpose of prayer is to connect with God. It is to commune with God. And if you don't know how to pray, then you can simply follow uh, the model uh, ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, adore God. C, confession, confess your sins to God. T, thanksgiving, give thanks to God. And S, supplication, make your requests known to God. But when we look at our prayer life, sometimes the thing that we, mean, that we need most in our prayer life is to simply say less. Oftentimes, the more spiritually mature someone is, they spend more of their time in prayer in silence, as prayer is very much two-sided. It is, it is two-sided communication, communion with God. And so sometimes we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk in our prayer life, and sometimes we just need to simply say less, say less in our prayer life with God. And then if we remain diligent in prayer, praying without ceasing, you can unlock an incredible power in prayer. We took a look at the story of Moses and where it at least appears to me, Moses was able to change God's course of action due to his prayer. As God was going to destroy the Israelites, but then Moses prayed to God and all of a sudden, we see God uh, uh, sparing the Israelites. And, to, and so to me, I know not everybody would agree with, with this uh, conclusion, but to me, it appears that Moses was able to change God's course of action due to his prayer. But at the very least, when, when we look at this story of Moses praying to God, uh, saving the Israelites, at the very, very least, we have to recognize the incredible power that prayer has in our lives and the lives around us. So that, that is communion with God. So that's a small review of what we have been talking about in these past two years. With this review on top of our review from two weeks ago, we've gone through a very rough, an emphasis on rough overview of what we have talked about for the last five years. It has been a sincere joy, privilege, and honor to preach to you guys for these past five years. 
getting here, uh, getting up here each Sunday morning and preaching to you all is one of my favorite responsibilities as a pastor. As a pastor of a small church, a lot of small churches set up this way where there's really only one uh, paid staff member. And so a pastor is serving as a teacher, as a shepherd, as a leader, as an administrator, and a preacher. And being a preacher to you all uh, is one of my favorite uh, responsibilities of being a pastor it is uplifting to me as I study the material throughout the week, and it's my hope and it's my prayer that these last five years, as you guys have been patiently listening to God speaking through me, hopefully it has been a blessing to you and your homes and your life and your ministry as well. And so with that said, who's ready for some trivia? There we go. Um, Brian, if we have uh, the Kahoot page up there, it's on Kahoot again. If you can play along on your smartphone, if you have your smartphone here this morning, uh, you can hit the start button. And uh, if you go to Kahoot, K-A-H-O-O-T dot I-T, uh, you, can, you can hit start. Um, you will then be brought up to the Kahoot page, and you'll then find a pen that you're to, to plug in, and that pen is 524470. 524470. And I know the font is going to be small uh, for some of you guys. Uh, we couldn't make the font any bigger. So uh, this week again, I will try and read the answer, uh, the question as quickly as possible and read through the answers as quickly as possible because it'll score you and uh, the score is dependent on how fast you're able to answer these questions. And so we'll give everybody just a minute or two to uh, sign in to the Kahoot and uh, yeah. And, and if you don't wanna play, that's fine. You, we can just uh, read along and play with us that way. It's Kyle. Yeah, uh, two weeks ago, we had a lot of marks uh, in the house. And now it looks like uh, we got a lot of Kyle's. Hopefully Kyle knows what he is talking about. If not, we are running into issues here at North Hills. So if you can't read, again, the pen, or you can take a picture of that QR code if you're fancier than I. Uh, that pen, 524470. <laughs> Seth Ross. See if he knows what he's talking about. All right, is anybody wanting to play that's not already in there? All right, I say we are good to go. So you can go ahead and start that up. All right, so question one, there's 12 questions. Question one, how many books of the Bible are there? 66, 50, 72, or 27? How many books of the Bible? Keep the answer to yourself. How many books of the Bible are there? 66, 50, 72, or 27? (laughs) 
And the answer is 66. There are 66 books of the Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. Well done. Yeah, you can hit next. Hey, Kyle knows what he's talking about. There we go. All right, question number two. Romans 6.23, quote, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is blank in Christ Jesus our Lord. Forgiveness, justification, eternal life, or love. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is blank in Christ Jesus our Lord. Forgiveness, justification, eternal life, or love. And the answer is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. We all have sin in our life. And because of that, we all deserve death. But the good news is, is that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that, that one verse sums up uh, in, in a decent fashion the gospel message that we deserve death. But because of God, through Christ Jesus, we have eternal life. Awesome. Question three, what do A and S stand for in the acronym ACTS that is often used for prayer? Is it adoration and sorry, adoration and supplication, ask and supplication, or ask and sorry? So again, the answers are adoration and sorry, adoration and supplication, ask and supplication, or ask and sorry. And, and we're looking at what the A and the S stand for and the acronym ACTS. Well done. Yes, the answer is adoration and supplication. If you don't know what to say when God, you can follow this simple model. And you start with just adoring who God is. Then you confess your sins to God. Then you give God thanks. And then finally, the supplication. That's when you make your requests known to God. Awesome. How are we doing? Uh, well done, Michaela. Uh, question number four. What literary style makes up the largest portion of scripture? Poetry, discourse, visions, or narrative? What literary style makes up the largest portion of scripture? Poetry, discourse, visions, or narrative? And the answer is narrative. Yes, uh, from what I found, narrative makes up about 43% of the scriptures. So about 43% of the Bible is simply telling a story, going through that plot line, whether a subplot line or the major plot line of the scriptures. Awesome. Question number five. As Christians, we are to judge nobody, those outside the church, those inside the church, or everybody. As Christians, we are to judge nobody, those outside of the church, those inside the church, or everybody. Mm -hmm. 
There we go. Yes, we are to, as Christians, we have, Paul talked about the responsibility that we have to judge those within the church. We have to hold them to a higher standing, the standard, uh, uh, according to the teachings of Christ Jesus. And as far as those outside the church, Paul essentially says we have no business judging those outside of the church. Well done. How are we doing? Michaela, well done. And Yoda won right on your tail and Mr. T. All right, here we go. Question number six. Which of the following is not one of the four practices of Jesus that John Mark used in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? Did he not use sluggish, slow, silence and solitude, or Sabbath? Which of the following is not one of the four practices of Jesus that John Mark used in his book? Sluggish, slow, silence and solitude, or Sabbath? Yeah, sluggish. Uh, we, we aren't to, to act sluggish in our lives. But if we are trying to combat this great enemy of hurry in our lives, we need to slow down and just uh, recognize for God for who he is. We need to spend time in silence and solitude. And we need to be intentional about a Sabbath rest as well. Well done. All right, question uh, number seven. Fill in the blank. Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the blank who are in Ephesus, to the church, to the Christians, to the people, or to the saints. This is from Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the blank who are in Ephesus, to the church, to the Christians, to the people, or the saints. To the saints, that, that is who Paul recognized as a church, that they were saints. They, they were to be set apart from the world. And you and I, we are saints today. We are to be set apart from the world. Well done. Michaela, some, someone's got to uh, take down Michaela. Uh, well done. All right, uh, question eight. Moses prayed to God to stop God's destruction of the Israelites. What were the Israelites doing that led to this? Were the Israelites complaining? Were they building an idol or a god? Were they murdering each other? Or they, were they committing adultery? So Moses prayed to God to stop God's destruction of the Israelites. What were the Israelites doing that led to this? Were they complaining? Were they building an idol or a god? Were they murdering or were they committing adultery? They were building an idol or a god. They were, if you remember the story of Aaron and the Israelites, while Moses up on Mount Sinai, Aaron and the Israelites, they're building a golden calf and worshiping it as a god while Moses is receiving these commandments from God. And God, uh, he was fed up with the Israelites. He, he was ready to, to wipe them out and start over with Moses. Uh, but Moses prayed to God. And we see that uh, God, uh, he decides not to destroy the Israelites right then and there. Because, uh, because yeah, what, what I believe, uh, Moses praying to God. Oh, we see a passing there. <laughs> we got four more questions. Question number nine. Give the best answer. We are to interact with the LGBTQ plus community with hostility, patience, love, or mercy? 
Whoa, fast. Hey, yeah, there we go. Love. I think that's the best answer in how we are to interact with this community is with love. And again, depending on whether they uh, claim to be a, a disciple of Christ Jesus, whether they are within the church or not, I think that love is going to look a little bit different. But, but it's love in either scenario, in either situation. We want the best for these people, for this community. Alrighty, question number 10. According to Dallas Willard, what is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day? Is it hurry, sin, entertainment, or laziness? According to Dallas Willard, what is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day? Hurry, sin, entertainment, or laziness? Yes, the answer is hurry. That, that is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day, according to Dallas Willard. As John Mark describes uh, the church, the, the church, we're, we're simply more busy than we are bad. We're more distracted than we are non-spiritual. And, and so we, we have to make the time for God and simplify, slow down, silence and solitude, and implement Sabbath rest into our day-to-day -day life. All righty. Two more questions. Hoda one, and yeah, go Lions. There we go. All right, uh, question number 11. Question, Paul wanted to visit Rome, but in the meantime, he wrote a letter to the church at Rome. Why did Paul want to visit Rome? Do you want to go on vacation, preach the gospel message, plant a new church, or visit friends and family? So Paul wanted to visit Rome, but in the meantime, he Oh, well done. Yes. Paul uh, wanted to go to Rome because he wanted to preach the gospel message to them. And for whatever reason, he didn't at that uh, point in time. So in the meantime, he wrote a letter to this church presenting the gospel message. How are we doing? Leading up to the last uh, question. Hoda One has got a slight lead on a few of you guys there. All right. Last question. Throughout the letter of Ephesians, Paul stresses the importance of what quality of the church? Unity, grace, compassion, or love? Throughout the letter of Ephesians, Paul stresses the importance of what quality of the church? Unity, grace, compassion, or love? Answer is unity. That, that was uh, Paul talked about uh, a number of times throughout this uh, short letter, the unity of the church. That was something he stressed on top of living as a saint. So how do we do, church? Third place, we have Michaela. Well done, Michaela. In second place, we have the mysterious Mr. T. And in first place, we have the mysterious Go Lions. Hey, there we go. Awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed these reviews of what we have talked about in these past five years. I look forward next week, we're going to be taking a look at what we've accomplished in the church. And we're going to start this process of setting goals as a church and how we can make these next five years the best five years possible. Let's take a moment and, and let's uh, seek our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we just thank you for uh, this day that you have made. We thank you for the scriptures that uh, miraculously been preserved for us thousands of years later. Father, we just recognize that your scripture is alive and well, Father. 
I just pray that it can pierce our hearts and, and that it can change who we are as people, that we can better grow closer to you and expand your kingdom through these scriptures. And so, God, I just thank you for this opportunity that we've been able to share together these past five years and uh, uh, seeing what, what you are communicating to us. So, God, we love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body of believers. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's church said, amen.